I am not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Do your own research. Consult a professional investment advisor before making any investment decisions. This show is for entertainment only. Faites vos propres recherches. Here we are. In another episode. And the Simple Success Podcast. And this is Financial Life Coaching from a Happiness Perspective. Are we still coaching happiness? You bet we are. But before we get to the business of the day, have you listened to last week's episode? Duh! We recorded the thing together. Of course I listened to it. Yes, DT. But there are other folks who would like to listen as well. In that case, look for Saving Pro Tips for Business Owners. Cool stuff there. Thanks, DT. Bienvenue. Et de quoi politian. What we are talking about today, DT, is saving pro tips for families. Family finances. Ah, you mean that thing you are driving all of us to do. I am? What's that, DT? Saving. In other words, everybody must develop a savings culture. Oh, okay, yeah, you got that right. Saving is a foundation for future wealth. So, what's the deal with families? Families that save together grow financially together. What? Did you just make that statement up? Every quotable statement was once made up, dude. Did you get my point on families? Break it down for me, please. Okay, saving is easy as long as you have the right mindset. What about when things are getting more expensive for families? Even when things are getting more expensive, saving is very possible. How, John? When a family has medical, educational, and daily upkeep needs. Frugality and cutting back on your most significant expenditures mean you have extra money saved up for emergencies, retirement, or your children's education. What can families do to remain frugal? Well, they can start with making a family budget together. <laughs> You're joking, right? How do you involve kids in budget making? Oh, no, Dee Dee. I'm not joking. Teaching your kids money-saving habits early will help them gain financial literacy. So, what does the family Budget making look like. Meet with your family once a month to talk about your finances, including your income and expenses and your current financial situation. You can talk about monthly costs and about getting the lowest prices. You can also talk about credit cards and their use during the meeting. Maybe even why debit cards are better. Oh, I get it. This is to manage your family's expectations. Well, yeah. It's also to make everyone own the family's financial situation. You can also teach your children how to create their own budgets and set savings goals. Do it as a fun family activity. Mm, financial coaching for kids. I like it. You can work together at trimming your family's bills. That's a tricky one. What can you trim? You'd be surprised at how much you could save on groceries, for example, with the right planning. Oh yeah? I know what you want to cut on. Fun stuff, like ice cream and all things nice. Boring! No, not necessarily. You just have to stay within your budget and have your shopping list. You remember the budget we talked about? Yeah. Make your shopping list from that budget. You can also plan your meals and budget around that plan. You mean... Having a timetable for meals every day. Yes. Doing this from time to time helps you stay organized and avoids last-minute fast food runs. An occasional fast food run doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt. Here's food for your thoughts, though. The average amount Americans spend on fast food in a year is $1,200. That's a year. $70,500 in a lifetime. By some methods of measuring. Wow, that's a pile of extra cash. I'm 
Is he just thinking about the numbers? Yes, some of which could be saved. And of course, there would be interest. I'll give you more money-saving tips for families in a moment, right after. Break number one. Hello, everyone. This is John with the Simple Success Podcast, financial life coaching from a happiness perspective. Because we know you want to show us some serious love in return for the tremendous benefits you get from us, please subscribe to us in your favorite podcast player. You can find us on both the App Store and the Play Store because our message is for everyone. Leave a rating for us or even better, tell a friend. Whichever you choose, thank you so much for helping us do this for you. To leave us a written message, which just might lead to more in a future podcast, go to those same written show notes to find our subreddits. There is also our Facebook group page, Twitter, and other ways which we'll tell you about from time to time. You can also find an Easter egg every so often, so listen closely. Thank you again, and keep those constructive ideas coming. Before the break, you surprised me with the huge amounts that families in America spend on fast foods. Correct, DT. And you were right to say that an occasional fast food trip does not hurt. The magic word there is moderation. I am hungry. Can we order some pizza? Of course. Pour some puesto. But remember, on that, save money by avoiding shopping when you're hungry or stressed out. Yeah? How does that work? Hunger and stress can cause people to buy lots of unhealthy snacks or eat weird junk food. Hmm, interesting. Plan to go to the grocery store when you're well-fed and relaxed so you can stick to your budget and not spend too much on things you don't need. And save the money you would have wasted on impulse buying? Yeah, DD. One way to save money on groceries is to ensure your family eats everything you buy. Along with avoiding food wastage, you can start a pantry challenge. A pantry challenge? What's that? Once every few months, hold a pantry cleanse, quote unquote, where you use up as many items from your pantry as possible before shopping for any new supplies. Ah, I know. This cuts down on waste and gives you a sense of when you are overbuying. It can, and with these tips, you'll avoid a lot of the financial burden of groceries. So we're just saving on grocery shopping? No, there are many other things you can save on too. You know who can give us practical tips? I don't know. Who do you suggest? Jack Allwell, who specializes in personal finance and a thing he calls house hacking. Sounds interesting. I certainly want to know more. Fina? Hello, Jack. Glad to have you here with us today. My name is Jack Allweil. I also do a blog, Fire to Fire. I've become very interested in personal finance. It was spurred on from losing a job, at which point I wanted to make a more robust life for myself. And one way I looked into was lowering my housing expense. And that's when I got into the idea of house hacking. So what actually is house hacking? House hacking, quite simply, John, is using your primary residency as an investment. You are buying a house that you will live in, and it, it could also be like a duplex where you live in one side and rent out the other. But in my case, I bought a house and rented out the other three rooms. Why would someone want to house hack? So great question. A lot of people would be very deterred from having roommates, and that, that's a common complaint I hear. 
But at the on the other end, housing is oftentimes the number one expense in most Americans' budget. And a lot of times their take-home pay, 30%, it's common to see 40, 50% of your take-home pay going towards your housing expense. So if you can decrease that expense, you can really move the needle in your financial position. So this doesn't necessarily mean taking on roommates. It could, but it's- No, it it, has... it, well, I guess if you had like a duplex or a triplex, you could have technically your own space where you're not sharing space with other people. But when you're buying a house and renting out the rooms, you will be sharing space with other people. So, so my experience in real estate says that you may either graduate from a simple level to a more complicated level, or you may just choose to be in one of those levels permanently. When you say level, you mean like level of investor? No, I mean level of personal exposure, like say having roommates in a single family house versus having a multifamily apartment building and living in one of those. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you can move it up. I mean, it's kind of what you want to make of it, what you feel comfortable with. I use it is more of experience in being a landlord, like landlord 101. How do you screen a tenant? How do you rent out the rooms? How do you show the space to make it look attractive and market it on many different platforms? You could do Facebook, Craigslist. There was a time where I was using an app called Roomster, which is more like almost Tinder for roommates, one could yeah. say. <laughs> And I use that experience to learn more about real estate. And obviously you can test it out, see if you're interested in it and see if you might want to pursue bigger deals in the future, at which point you'd probably want to remove yourself and not share space with other people. And it'd be more, a little more passive, but while you're house hacking, it's, it's a, it's an active endeavor. I assume that you have done this yourself, at least to some degree. And given that, how did you go about working with the down payment and getting it all taken care of and having it work for you? Sure. So the first question I asked myself was, how do I want to live? What would I find attractive in a house? Because I, I was going to be living there. That This is a very big decision. And my down payment, and, and this is another benefit of house hacking is you don't need as large of a payment. So when you're using it as your primary residence, oftentimes when you go to a bank, you'll only need three and a half to 5% of a down payment. And if you're in the army, those VA loans, you might need 0% down. Um, whereas if you're going for an investment property, like on some of my other deals, oftentimes a normal bank would want 20 to 25% of a down payment. So th that's kind of a cool lever that you can pull when house hacking. I needed 5% because this house was about to go into foreclosure and they, they wanted five and not just the three and a half. But, and that ended up being about $13,000, which I had some in cash, but I had been working for about five years and I had been contributing to my 401k. And a cool feature of the 401k is if you needed to, you can take a loan from it and that interest that you're paying is actually going back into your 401k account. So I actually took a loan from my 401k to help pay for some of that down payment. So that, that was how I financed that one. So if people want to get in touch with you to find out how to do this, to or to work within your system, learn more about it, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, I'm the only jack all while on LinkedIn. I'd say I'm the most active on that platform. And I, I answer to everyone that, that messages me. So uh, feel free to reach out to me there. My blog is firedtofire.com. I post on personal finance, track my net worth, teach people how to create their own income statement and balance sheet. I, I have found that to be very effective at increasing wealth.
appreciate your time. Yep. Thanks so much, John. What did you think of Jack's approach to saving money? Mm, not bad at all. Maybe I should try out some of these tricks when I get a family, of course. You can start practicing earlier, even before the family comes. For example, you can cut back on subscriptions like cable TV, magazines, music apps, club memberships, and other such subscriptions. Should we live boring lives without entertainment, without streaming services, or streaming subscriptions? You expect me to say yes to that? You think I'm going to say only go to thrift stores? No, not at all. Have a family meeting and discuss what subscriptions you need and what things you can do without. There are also cheaper or free versions of some things which you can opt for. I know another area where the average family can save lots of monthly expenses. What, cheaper prices? Well, that'd be nice, but I'm thinking utilities like power, water, gas. There's opportunities there as well. But what's the point of saving as a family? Achieving the family's financial stability is the goal. Families should save with the goal of being financially stable and not having living expenses get the better of them. What is financial stability? According to the Aspen Institute, financial stability means having a positive cash flow, no harmful debt, an emergency fund, and public and workplace benefits. I see. And this financial stability is important, especially for families? I'd think so. Families need to have an income that regularly surpasses the cost of their expenses and no debts, whether they're medical, consumer, or student loans. Aha! Credit card debts are notorious with giving you a false sense of financial security. Are they really? I'm surprised that you've noticed this. Please explain this so that our friends may get it. People spend more when they pay with credit cards than when they pay with cash. Indeed. Families should be careful of what seems like quote-unquote free money lest they fall into the credit card debt trap. Yeah, I remember we talked about something like that in the Shylock Trap episode last year. That's right, we did. So what about this emergency fund thing? Good question, DT. Your emergency fund should be at least three to six months worth of expenses for a pretty frugal family. I am allowed to borrow at least three to six months worth of expenses? No, you're supposed to set aside that amount as cash you have for emergencies. That's your emergency fund. In other words, save for emergencies. What emergencies? You may not know up front. It could be medical, job loss or accidents, anything unplanned. Such emergencies can throw you off financially. Oh, that's too much information. I think I need to process it. That's perfect. While you're thinking, go ahead and finish that $4 cup of coffee you got. But first, break number two. We know a lot about you already because we know ourselves. For example, we know that you know how to listen to a hard podcast. We also know that you probably know how to subscribe. So as soon as you're done with that, tell us your story. We have ways you can contact us. It involves a special link where you can leave us a message. We may have an email address for you as well in the future, and we'll let you know if that happens. The reason for subscribing? I thought you'd never ask. When you subscribe, you automatically download all future episodes of that podcast. It just happens in your player without you having to go search again. How cool is that? This means better rankings for the podcast, more attention from advertisers, and more money. And this means more and better stuff for you. So your motivation is simple and easy. Subscribe to day, whatever app, and from whatever place you like. And don't just try to subscribe. There is no try. There is only do. We're changing the way we look at things. And remember, that's good. Eso es bueno, Sybil. 
Also remember, this is Financial Life Coaching from a Happiness Perspective. Coaching Happiness. Our call to action is right in the show notes. Find it and you win too. Can I simple that? Por supuesto. Of course. Just simple it. Please make sure your seat belts are fastened and your tray tables are in their upright position. And make sure simple is a verb like Google is a verb. Before the break, you mentioned the importance of setting up an emergency fund. Yes, I did, DT, and you should be prepared rather than caught flat-footed with no additional money. I would like to know how all this family saving stuff ties into investing. And here we go with that. Once a family has attained financial stability by saving for emergencies and paying off their debts, they must have some money for investments. In other words, investments are a necessity. Yes, if you want to build generational wealth, you must think of investing. In fact, the money you save from budgeting wisely should go into investing. Money tips. Yeah, we do that here sometimes. Mm, generational wealth reminds me of what I read somewhere. I forgot where, but the words stood out for me. What were the words? Quote, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children and their children. Unquote. Some relationship with money thing like that. Oh, well, you could easily Google that to find out where it was from. But nonetheless, the quote is very true. Ah, back to family savings and investments. Do you know that the only form of investment for most Americans is through the employer-sponsored 401k? 401k? What's that? A 401k is an employer-sponsored retirement plan. We've talked about them before, of course, but if you get a 401k account as part of your benefits package... You may choose to contribute a portion of your salary to the account subject to annual limitations. So, saving towards retirement is part of investing? It most certainly is, and you must plan on having plenty of time to let your money grow. Most financial experts recommend saving at least 15-20% to 20 of your annual income for your future needs. That includes retirement. But I like to solve problems. Okay, so worry about parking costs or something easy like that. 15 to 20% is a huge amount. If you're not able to save that much, start by saving just 3% of your annual income and gradually raise it every year. You can decide the schedule together as a family. That's the fun part. The growing together part? Yes, and doing life together. Practicing together. PPR. Persisting together and repeating together. Which is how you've all gotten good. Gracias por escuchar. Salut. A la prochaine. This podcast and our other podcast are productions of Little Red Hen Industries. The supporting cast who helps me bake the bread includes... Techno King, John C. Brandy, Alter Ego, Doubting Thomas, Fact Checker, A Small Brown Beef Animal, Seriously, Tiny, Facts Are Important But Are Also Easy, Social Manager, Abraham Lincoln, Media Expert, Augustus Caesar, Psychologist, William James, Sound Designer, Adobe's Creative Suite, Spanish Consultant, Cameron J.K. Brandy, French Consultant, Leah, The Do Your Own Research Lady, Videographer, Eto Monkoshki, Audio Props, Les Paul, Inspiration, Many Podcasts and Other Sources and Of Course Napoleon Hill, we also have websites, and you can subscribe to both podcasts. You can even send us a video, audio, or text message. But, of course, you'll have to head to the show notes, either on your phone or on the web, to get the links and stuff. And all those clickable links are in the show notes. And before we forget, the artificial intelligence or AI voices that you hear in our work are offered up by Google, Amazon Polly, and OpenAI like we say in the show notes. 
They don't sponsor us yet, but we love what they do, and we just love what AI can do when lovingly crafted. Finally, you can find us on Protmatch.com, Matchmaker.fm, Podbooker, and Podcast Guests, where we consider guests and consider guesting on other people's shows. And really, finally, the music for our pods comes from Cute by Ben Sound and from Piano Background by Nick Simon Adams, as well as from AI MuseNet. The sound effect credits go to Jackson Academy Ashmore, Kanusi G, Dr. Jekyll. Joe Payne, Everything Sounds, MK Play More Stories, ERH, Sand Emotions, Big Pickle 51, and Just Kidding, yes that's his or her name, all on freesound.org. Also, languages are the bomb. Paul.